Good morning to all of you, and a special uh, word of thanks to the mothers here today. This is Mother's Day, and uh, I'm not going to preach a Mother's Day message today. That's not what is uh, God put on my heart, but I do want to acknowledge that you mothers are very, very special. I think of my mother. She no longer lives. But of the many, many, many things that she did for me, prayed for me, put up with a lot of things, and I can't remember one instance when I was too kind to my mother. I can remember some instances where I wish I would have been a little nicer. But I can't remember any instance where I would have, would have said, well, I, I shouldn't have gone. I shouldn't have given her that much honor. She deserved all the honor I ever have given her. And my only regrets are the failures I have had to uh, honor her. Well, I think of my, uh, my dear wife, whom I helped become a mother. And... Uh, I think of how wonderful she is to me and how she keeps me and helps me in the way God made her a helpmate to me. And she's very special. And I suppose that there are a lot of mothers here and mothers to be. And you all have a very special place. Perhaps it's because God gave mothers a very tender heart. More than men. Men are supposed to be tender hearted too. But men have this thing of, you know, make sure that it's done right and be an authority and get a move on and, and, uh, and that's important. That's an, that's a, a lot, a important part of life to make things happen. But mothers are given a tender heart. And that's very special. In fact, from my observations and many other people's observations, if you have a good authoritarian father and not so much love, that doesn't turn out as good as if you have a, a really loving mother and a not so authoritative father. You know? In other words, if you're going to err on one side or the other, do the love. It's better and more powerful than the other. Now, of course, the very best thing is to have all things in balance. We need our fathers. We need your leadership. We need you to lead out. And we need your mothers and your tender heart. And fathers need to have a tender heart. And mothers need to lead out sometimes too. You know, when father's away... Yeah, you need to lead out. But if you're going to err on one side or the other, err on being tenderhearted. Because that is the greatest gift that God has given to man. Love, God's love himself is, uh, is mirrored in that. Well, as I said, I'm not going to speak about Mother's Day. I have another couple of days that came to mind, and I'm not preaching on those either this morning, but I thought about Ascension Day that's just been passed this week. And it enters into a little bit as an introduction to what I have to say. If you can, in your mind, just imagine a little bit the very first Ascension Day. The very first one. Okay, the disciples had just gone through quite a... a a fall and a rise of their emotions and everything. And I mean, imagine what it's like to have been following this Messiah that you have learned to know. And you've been following him for three years. And you're pretty much convinced that, that this is Messiah. It is the one whom the prophets have spoken of. And, and he is going to rule the world. 
And you're excited about that. And then one day, he is crucified. He is crucified. He's there hanging on a cross. And he's dying. And your emotions, your strength, your fortitude falls to the earth. Imagine that. Then imagine three days later when this Messiah rises from the dead and you can hardly believe your ears. They say he is risen. Did that ever happen before? Well, some people were raised to life by Jesus, but they didn't raise themselves, did they? And now this man who can give life to dead people can give life to himself. This, uh, this must be the most awesome thing possible. I mean, this makes a man totally invincible. You stop to think about that? I mean, you can kill him and he comes right back again. You can't get rid of him, right? What an awesome thing to, to know a man who can come back to life again. Imagine walking 40 days with this man and your hopes are rising and, and, and you and he's explaining all these things. Remember the road to Emmaus and how their hearts burned within them. And all the scriptures that were <clears throat> to explain who Messiah is and what, the, what he was all about. And, and it's God's promise to his people. And, and the whole Bible took on a new light. And your emotions, your love, your, your admiration is at its height, perhaps. And then imagine one day, as you're walking with this man, and you go out, and suddenly, he blesses you, prays for you, and then he rises. And he just goes up and up and up. And you look and you, you think, what? what's happening? What, what is he doing? And he goes up and up and up. And there are a few clouds there and the clouds envelop him and he's gone. And your heart is there and you're thinking, well, is he going to come back down? And he's gone. And then suddenly you didn't see them coming, but there's a few men standing by you that weren't there before. They're shining. They're angels. And they say, stop. Stop looking up there, buddy. He's gone, but he's coming back again. He's coming back again. Just the way you've seen him go into the sky. He's going to be coming back out of the sky again one day. Live for him and look for him. He's coming back as you have seen him go. Oh, wow. That's quite a promise, isn't it? I'll take that. Well, all of you know this promise. And uh, someday he's going to come back again. I don't know when that is. That's going to be another very important day. I thought of that day and I want to spend a little more time on that in just a moment, but 
I also thought of other important days like, uh, you know what next Sunday is? How many of you know what next Sunday is? Uh, we don't make much about it in our circles. Yeah, May 20th. What's It's Pentecost. Yeah. We don't talk about Pentecost too much because, you know, well, uh, you know, those Pentecostals make us a little uncomfortable. We don't talk too much about Pentecost. But Pentecost was a very important day. Very important. It was the day the Comforter came for the first time among men. When Pentecost was fully come, we have Acts. Very important day. Jesus told them, I will not leave you comfortless. I will go unto my Father and I will send the Comforter to be with you and he shall abide with you and make you the individuals you need to be. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, now, don't rush into things yet. Just, you, you go back to Jerusalem and wait until you get the comforter. And after the comforter, then you can get to busy. Well, Pentecost has fully come. And God has given us his spirit. And we had better be busy. We don't need to be waiting any longer for the promise of his coming because it has come. Very important day. Well, I'd like you to turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4. First um, Thessalonians chapter 4 and the end of the, of the chapter... I like to read here. The promise of his coming. In verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I'm looking for that day. One day that day is going to come. I don't know how soon that day is going to come. But the day is coming. And God himself, Jesus himself, shall be sent from heaven. He's going to give a great shout. And the dead in Christ will rise from the ground. That's an awesome day, isn't it? That'll be an awesome day. I can't think of a more glorious thing. I mean, I think it's fun to fly today, but I need wings, you know. I need an airplane to fly today. But one day I'm going to fly without wings. I'm going to rise to meet the Lord in the air, gravity will have no more effect on me. And neither will the fallen nature. You know, this nature that drags me downward, downward, downward all the time. It's like gravity ever there. One day, that's going to be gone. Completely gone. And we shall be with the Lord in the air and ever be with him. There's a lot of comfort in those words, isn't there? And then he goes into First Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is going to be my text here today from First Thessalonians. Not this particular verse, but he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For ye yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them 
as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I thought you just said that it would be glorious. Didn't I just say that? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be glorious for everybody. No. It's not going to be glorious for everybody. For those who are awake and alive and in Christ and looking for him, I can think of no more glorious event. But there are many people, uh, not a few, many people who will not be ready on that day. And when the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, you know what they're going to do? They're going to fall through the earth. They're going to want a mountain to fall on them and bury them alive. Because they are not ready to meet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, I thought about that a little. And I thought about how when the Lord comes back again, some will be ready and some will not. How do you know if you're going to be ready? Paul says here, I don't need to write about the times and seasons about this. I don't need to, uh, you know, make sure that you get this all straight because you know perfectly well already. You know in your heart, you know already that the Lord is coming back. And you know already that it will come when you think not. It will happen when you're not just saying, I think it's going to be the day. It will come suddenly. Okay? There's other verses about that. Jesus said, you know, they will be marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and having a good time and And then, suddenly, it happened. And the Lord is there. Here in this verse, it says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety. Ah, it's nice. We're going to build this new house. We're going to have a nice time. We're going to go on vacation next week. Ah, Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be nice. And suddenly it's over. Verse 4. I like this verse. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Okay? This does not have to take you by surprise. Yes, it will take some people by surprise. But you don't have to be surprised. Uh, You've already been told the story. You've already been told what's going to happen. So it doesn't need to surprise you. Ye, look at this five here. This is getting to where I'm going to talk about. Ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Just what does it mean to be children of light? Do you see that this, the difference here that Paul is telling the Thessalonians is that there are some people who are children of the day and some people who are children of the night. Do you get that? There are two classes of people. And those who are of the day are those who are not going to be taken by surprise. Those who are of the night 
are going to be taken by surprise. You see that? You all agree with that? You look sleepy. Let's. All right. Yeah. So what does it mean to be children of the light? And by the way, uh, that would be my title for this morning. Uh, children of the light. And I thought this uh, was a nice introduction that Michael gave this morning. Take heed to thyself. Children of the light. And to be children of the light, you're going to be taking heed to yourself. That was a nice introduction. Don't know how God does all that, you know, puts things in your heart and mind. So we come together. But <clears throat> children of the light. What does it mean to be children of the light? There's a lot of scripture in, in, in there, uh, you know, about light and darkness. It was one of John's favorite metaphors. John said uh, that the, Jesus is the light of the world, right? And he said he was not that light, but he came to bear witness of that light. And that light, Jesus, was the true light that lighteth every man that comes into the world. And I believe it says right one place that he hath light, hath life. And he that hath not the life, light hath not life. So light and life, they're synonymous. He who has been filled with God's spirit hath the light. He that hath not the spirit hath not Light. All right. There's that clear division between light and darkness. Is there twilight? Is there something like twilight? Yeah, we call it lukewarm. But can you be... Let me draw some circles here. <clears throat> you should have a bigger board. I'll draw in the corner here a little bit. We know that there are a number of people, draw a little circle here, who are God-haters. They're atheists. They're Satanists. They are people who don't want to be told anything, they don't want to acknowledge God, and obviously their damnation is just, right? You would say they're in darkness, right? Very dark. Then there are other people who are also in darkness. But these people are not so anti-God. They actually maybe are even religious. They, some of them go to church every Sunday. Some of them uh, give a lot of money to the poor. Uh, some of them, you know, do a lot of things. But they are in darkness. Not twilight. They're in darkness. Let me illustrate. Jesus said, I wonder if somebody could get me a little water. I could use a little water. Uh, Jesus said, uh, in the last day, when the judgment comes, there will be many that say unto me, Lord, Lord. Have we not done many, have we not prophesied in thy name and done many wonderful works? And, and, and what's Jesus going to say to them? You know, don't you? What's he going to say? Someone? I never knew you. 
He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. They are in darkness. Folks, there's going to be a lot of people in this larger circle here who believe that they are on the truth and doing right. And they are religious and they're doing many wonderful things in thy name. And Jesus is going to say to them. Depart from me. I never knew you. I would say they're in darkness, wouldn't you? Is there any way around that? I don't think so. Thank you for that. I don't know how big this circle is, but Jesus said there was many. Many will say unto me in that day. And we know that the we have the, the straight gate and the broad gate. Let's talk about that. And Jesus said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction. And many, did you get that? Many there be that go in there at the broad gate. And the narrow gate is for few. Okay? So, there are children of light. And let's just draw a little circle over here. And I'm making it a little small here. Even though there will be millions of them according to Revelation. But it's a smaller group than this group, I guess. This is the straight gate. The few that enter in. And the many that be destroyed. But these are children of light. And these are children of darkness. And there isn't an in-between. There's no twilight here. Yeah, in our world that we live in, twilight happens every day. But twilight does not happen spiritually. Either you are alive or you're not alive. Either you are in Christ or you're not in Christ. Okay? How do you know? You are children of the light. Children of the day. You're not of the night. What is the night like? What do the children of the night and the night, what are, or children of darkness, what do they do? Huh? Yeah, that comes up here right next there, doesn't it? Well, let's go there. Maybe come back to some of this a little bit later. Therefore, let us not sleep. As do others. And I'd like to just uh, ask you, who are the us and who are the others? Let us not sleep as do others. Well, us means those are the children of light, right? And others mean children of darkness, right? How many agree with that? Okay. And let us watch and be sober. That's what people who are not sleeping do. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Now, by the way. This does not really mean that people can't sleep in the day. <laughs> does it? No, obviously not. Or that they can't be drunken in the, in the day. Some people do get drunk in the day. But just as a lot of people sleep at night and a lot of people who are getting who get drunk do that at night. okay, just like that, like it happens pretty much. People fit to their environment and they become like what they are. Right. For so. They that sleep, sleep in the night. 
in other words, if you're in the day, spiritually in the day, in the light, then it ought to be light all around you. Right? It ought to be daytime around you. Your, your influence ought to be radiating around you. The light ought not to be covered. You shouldn't be ashamed of the light. Shouldn't be ashamed of the light. Some people are. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. In other words, aggressive, vigorous Christianity that is not ashamed of the light. Now, that still has not defined the light. How do we know what is light? For many shall say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? By the way, just because I'm up here preaching to you this morning does not make me a child of light. Does that make you a child of light when you preach? No. I mean, we could preach message upon message upon message. And it's possible to do that without light. Did you know that? Yeah, that's possible. It's possible to give all your money, all the money you make, to feed the poor. Well, that would be really spiritual, wouldn't it? I'd take you to 1 Corinthians 13, I believe it is, right? You know the love chapter? And though I give all my goods to feed the poor, I have not charity, profits me Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't count for anything. Though I have all prophecies so that I could reveal all kinds of secrets and where I can speak with tongues of men and of angels and you know the chapter, right? A lot of pretty awesome sort of convincing things. No. There's one, if there's one thing that's missing, if there's one thing that's missing, the love of God in your heart, the light, if that's missing, you can do all the rest and it's worthless. This is a burden for me because I think I see a lot of people today who are very religious. They go to church every Sunday like clockworks. And they're not going to make it. They're going to die in their sins. How many believe that way? Okay, good. I didn't lose y'all. Yeah. There's a lot of religious people. But they're not children of light. Uh, What I'm saying to you is not that you should not look like a Christian. You should. But looking like a Christian is not enough. You can have your life all nice and neatly packaged and go to a nice conservative church and and do everything and dress the way you're supposed to and, and do all things that, you know, so that you look really, really, really good. And that is not enough. That's not enough. Well, what is enough? Well, what is enough is having the light. Okay? You have to have the light of life from Jesus given to you. Now, I know I, I emphasize this a good deal, and I, I hope that's not overemphasis, but I, I'm emphasizing it because there is no 
alternative. There is no alternative. And there are lots of other options, but they're not alternatives. I mean, depends at least how you use the word alternatives. There are other alternatives, but they're not saving alternatives. They're, they are in the big circle here, in the, in the darkness. And for those individuals, one day when the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel they're going to be sadly surprised. It's not going to be a glorious thing for them. <clears throat> All right. You know you're in the last days, right? How do you know you're in the last days? Come on. Many shall be lovers of their own selves. Doing their own thing. Good point. What else? What else happens in the last days? Come on, you're not that dumb, are you? Yeah, the love of many shall wax cold. Well, what does that mean? Do you know what it's like to just not be on fire for the Lord anymore? Take heed. You remember that church in Revelation? Jesus wrote to and he said I, a lot of good things about them. But he said, I have one thing against you. You have what? You have left your first love. Well, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Okay? Uh, what else happens in the last days? Wars and rumors of war. Do we hear anything about that nowadays? I mean, yeah, it's happening all the time, right? At least it's over there in Palestine, right? Uh, over in Iraq. Uh, somewhere over there in the Middle East. It's, at least it's not here, praise God. Huh. You know, hey, it might come here someday. No promise, all right? But, yeah, there shall be wars and rumors of wars. We had a lot of rumors. We don't have the actual war here so much, but <clears throat> could happen any day. What else shall happen in the last days? Scoffers will come. Scoffers will come. And they will say what? Where's the promise of his coming? Where's the promise of his coming? It's just like it's always been. I mean, you know, nothing's changing. It's always been this way. It's always be this way. Uh, no, it's not going to always be this way. It's not. One of these days, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever stop looking for the promise of his coming. Because when you stop looking for it, you'll get sleepy. And then you will sleep as do others. Okay? <clears throat> By the way, are you sleepy? I think sometimes <clears throat> we don't realize how sleepy we get. Have you ever been driving down the road in a nice, warm, sunny afternoon and it's always quiet and you're just going down the road and it's warm, the sun's beating in the window and you start getting sleepy? How many have experienced that? Yeah, you know what I mean? And you sort of shake yourself awake a little bit, you know, oh, you can't go to sleep, I'm driving. After a while, you just kind of... Yeah, and you feel yourself. Okay. Do you know the feeling? Yeah, you all know that one, right? Do you ever get that way spiritually? Spiritually, do you ever get that way? 
Yeah, I've been there already, right? But this passage here today that I'm preaching from, the purpose of this passage is that you should be awake and vigilant and sober because if you go to sleep, you're going to have a wreck. All right? Those who are children of the day need to keep wide awake, vigilant. That's the mark of children of the day. They have been set on fire by the light of the world. And they don't go to sleep. A word about the drunkenness. You're not drunk. Of course, none of us drink, right? God forbid that we would get caught up in that heinous thing of drunkenness. But are you drunk with the things of this world? The pleasures of this world? The money of this world? The business of this world? It presses on us every day. It presses on us. We are busy, busy, busy. Until I think sometimes we are spiritually drunk. Are you getting that? Drunk. Not able to rationalize correctly. Because there's too much money involved. Too much pleasures that we are caught up with. Too many vacations planned. Too many things that have nothing to do with the kingdom. And we are drunk with them. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't think it's wrong to go on a vacation. I don't think it's wrong to eat. I don't think it's wrong to have a little money. I don't think a lot of things are, you know, in their improper perspective, they are good things. But when they become the focus of your life, when that's what you're doing, when that's all you're doing, you're drunk with them. Let's not be drunk or sleepy. That drunkenness, that sleepiness belongs to the children of the night. And ye are not of the night. You are of the day. You ought to be a fire for God. You ought to be lit by the lamp of the Holy Spirit. And everybody around you ought to be knowing that this man's got a purpose. Do you live that way? In the last days, many shall run to and fro. Did you ever notice the time that people travel? Travel, 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 travel. Have people ever traveled as much as they travel today? How many are running to and fro, aren't they? It's the end times. And knowledge shall be increased, Daniel said. To and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Has there ever been a time when information has been more available to you than today. Right? I mean, we have we have the internet at our fingertips, right? And it's not going away. I know you, Earl preached a little bit about the internet and, and its dangers, and I'm not saying that it's not dangerous. I, I think it is. I think there's a lot of things there. But I'm, going to, I'm saying here it's not going to go away. You know, there was a time when when you just could skirt certain things and not do them, you know, and, and, and every life going on is normal. But I'm telling you, life is, you can't escape the Internet today anymore. It's affecting you. I'll give you an illustration of how things are affecting you. It's just a little tiny illustration, but even the way people are thinking is now being affected by the Internet. Did you know that? It's a scary thought when you stop to think about it. But, you know, I just got a new job here recently. I'm the last guy on the block, you know, where I work. 
and somebody came into work or uh, called in or something and they wanted a certain amount of, of uh, type and stuff or lettering and they gave a size. Now, in most uh, in the signed industry, you give sizes in inches usually in America at least. But this guy defined how big he wants his lettering by points. And no one else in the shop knew what points were. This is not sign language, you know. But see, I come from the print world. Now, Matthew uh, might know what points are. He's in the design industry. But, you know, in the, in the print world, you describe type by points. So I knew the answer right off. I mean, I know how big a point is, you know. And uh, so I just spoke up, you know, and I said, well, there's 72 points on an inch. Oh, you know, kind of surprising that the last guy in the block finds that out, you know. But that's just because I had a background in printing. That's all. Okay. But you know what was amazing or, or, or funny to me is that one of the guys there didn't know if he wanted to believe me. And so what did he do? Guess. He Googled it. Right. He looked it up on the Internet. He said, yeah, he's right. You see, if the Internet would have said something different, what would he have done? Yeah, I mean, do you understand how the Internet has almost become the Bible to some people's thinking? That's scary. Think about that. The Internet is becoming the source of information and the trusted source of information. If the Internet had said something different than I said, he probably would have wanted to believe the Internet instead of what I said. Do you see that? Let me ask you a question. Is the Internet trustworthy? John King, John Gower. I mean, there are some things that are trusty, but not everything, right? Don't believe everything that you read on the Internet. Whether you like it or not, the Internet is affecting us. Whether you like it or not, it has become the map, it has become the dictionary, it has become the encyclopedia and the library for most people. That's a scary thought. But it's true, and you're not going to escape it. It's the way it happens. There's a lot of change in the last world, in the last 20 years, right? Do I have to convince you, any of you of that? I mean, if you look at the way, if you look at the way technology has happened over the, all of the years since Adam, you know, technology was kind of like this here going along, but in the last days it's going like this, right? And knowledge is increasing exponentially. That curve is kind of amazing. How many of you think that curve is going to change? No one? No, it's not. It's going to keep right on going until the coming of the Lord. And then it will change. Then we shall know perfectly. I don't know. That will be like all the way to the top and then level off, I guess. All right. The Internet, its effects, is not going to go away. How are we going to deal with that? Are we going to just say, well, uh, well, we're uncomfortable with this Internet. Let's just not use the Internet, period. Just not, we're not going to do that. We'll just stop doing it. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do that for very long. It's just not going to work. Okay. But what will make the difference? Can you tell me what will make the difference? Anyone? No one knows? If you're children of light. 
Now I'm here to challenge you and stir you again to choose to be children of light. It's a choice. If you are children of light, you'll know what is good and what is bad. Because he has given us his spirit. And there's nothing that works so good as the spirit of God. Yeah, we have internet and we have internet filters. And the filter sort of works. But it doesn't work perfectly, does it? But I'm telling you here this morning that if you have the spirit of God, the spirit of God does not ever miss a beat. I'm not saying you won't fail. Sometimes we sort of in our fail, you know, we get tempted and sometimes we aren't perfect. I'm not proposing to be perfect here this morning. But the spirit of God is perfect. The spirit of God will not let you down. The spirit of God will lead you into all truth. And if you are intent upon knowing and doing the will of God, you will be saved. And it's a conscious choice. Okay? Nothing is so important as this. Nothing. Bar none. The most important thing that you can do is to be sold out to know and to do the will of the Father. And then you are children of light. That's what makes you children of light. When you are choosing God's way, not just once, but continuously. Continuously. You know, yeah, we mentioned earlier this morning about the guy that thought that he was saved because he, he uh, Michael talked about him, thought he was saved because he uh, uh, believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, right? Well, believing in the name of the only begotten Son of God is important. But you need to do that continuously, not just once. Okay? And it needs to go into every aspect of your life. Not just Sunday morning. And not just in the way you dress. And not just with uh, fashions like clothing and haircuts and Cars and trucks and sport features and all of those things are real. All of those things have things to say about what's in your heart. But it goes into every area. It reaches into the way you spend your money or you don't spend your money or how you, you know. It reaches every area of life. The Spirit of God is the one who shows us how to go. Um, Do you know that this age that I talked about of technology that's going Faster and faster. Do you know that there are more and more and more distractions than have ever been before? Do you know that? Do you know that there are many things to draw your attention away from the Holy Spirit of Christ? More than ever before. This has been accelerating. Do you know I think you do, that the scripture says that as that continues into the end times, that it gets worse and worse. Do you know that? And that except that the Lord should shorten those days, none would be saved. That's a pretty bleak picture, doesn't it? But do you also know that God says, I will lose none of those Who truly seek me. Do you also know that? That's the balancing scriptures. Yes. 
The world is going worse and worse. And darkness is increasing. And yes, uh, the morals of people are failing. And Europe is ahead of us in, all, in some of that stuff. But you know, we're not so very far behind. And I don't know what you're going to be able to see after a while. I mean, people's moral life is decaying at a rate that is unprecedented. And what you will need to face in the not-too-near future could be shocking today. Okay? And accept the Lord would shorten those days. You would all lose it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, he who looks unto the Lord shall be saved. The Holy Spirit works. Are you ready to do his will? Are you ready to do what he says? I'm not going to be able to finish this whole chapter, but I'm going to just give you a little bit. I'm going to stop here in just a a, a few minutes. But uh, just look down over the rest of this chapter here. We could go into a lot of things. We could talk about the way you should be at peace among yourselves. You should you could talk about the unruly. You could talk about the feeble minded. You could talk about the weak. And you should be patient with all people and you should uh, not render evil for evil to any man and you should rejoice evermore. Well, that's a big one. And you should pray without ceasing. I mean, constantly into the spirit of God and, and asking him for strength and help. And, and you should see that uh, uh, in everything you give thanks. Wow, that's a, you know, that's a big thing for some people. You know, some people can't seem to be thankful about anything. But uh, are you quenching the spirit in any way? Does the Spirit of God tell you to do something and you're saying no? No, I'm not going to do that. Prove all things. Hold up past everything is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's a real big one. And I like to finish with this verse. 23. And the very, and the very God, God himself, The God of peace, the God that sets your heart at ease and forgives all of your sins. This very God himself is going to come and sanctify you. Hey, isn't that awesome? Do you know what sanctify means? Set you apart and make you particular for himself. And he's going to sanctify you halfway. Did I read that right? Folks, that's how we live sometimes. We live like God's only going to sanctify us halfway. What's wrong with you? Is God going to sanctify you wholly? The whole way? He will if you allow Him to. Yeah, He will. Sanctify you wholly. And I pray to God... I pray, God, your whole, whole spirit and soul and body. Is there anything else of you? Did we miss anything? Your whole spirit, soul and body will be preserved. Uh, What's that next word? Flameless. This is Bible. I'm sorry. I didn't make this up. He's going to make you blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is faithful. He who called you will not fail you. He is faithful and he will do it if only you allow him. You get to choose. God's not going to press himself on you. You got to choose. The most important thing on earth is that you choose. And that you choose it not just once, but continuously. And that's what I'm ranting about this morning. I'm ranting about the idea that you should be 
wholly decided to follow Jesus in every way you possibly can. And if you do that, then and only then are you children of light. If you don't do that, if you fail to do that, if you just say, well, you know, I'm not going to be quite that sold out. I, I you know, I don't want to be a, one of those holy rollers or something, you know. I, you know, I don't want to be uh, super spiritual. And, uh, you know, there's all these things that people say sometimes that I think they're just bordering on blasphemy. Yeah, you heard me. But if you don't do that, then you are sleeping as do others. Even if you're very religious. Even if you dress just perfectly, go to a nice church like ours, you know. You could be sleeping. If you're not vigorously into this thing of following Jesus and wanting to know his will and doing his will, then you're sleeping, as do others. Drunken with the pleasures of this world. Children of the night. I hope none of you are there. I hope none of you are there. With Paul, I'd like to say, uh, you know perfectly well, you're not of the night. You're of the day. And it's your choice, isn't it? Nothing is as important as that.